Hello, and thanks for joining us. Two sharp chefs and a microphone here. I'm Lorraine Moss, chef and journalist. And I'm Louis Victor, chef and professional food photographer. We started this podcast in memory of one of the best food culture ambassadors of all time, Anthony Bourdain. In his memory, we wanted to do the right thing and build a better sense of community among cooks, chefs, restaurant workers, and food lovers here in Las Vegas and worldwide. So, Louis, this is a little known fact, but I've been obsessed with having a farm really? since childhood. Well, you just wouldn't think it looking at me. <laughs> you kind of moved into a home with a lot of land that you could like start your little garden. Now. Oh, I'm going to yeah. ask Garden Farms Foundation's Vanessa to help me with that for right. sure. And I might even be like texting Miss Claudia over here because I'm completely obsessed with farm life. But I, I can't do that mm-hmm. where I am. And yes, I'm out there in Henderson, but I'm not like out here in Tacopa kind of place. where I can have my dream farm. And I think it's the romanticism of the books that I read when I was little. So Anna Green Gables, Charlotte's Web, Old MacDonald, the song. Like (laughs) I wanted to be a little farmer, which is completely weird because I'm from San Francisco. But yes, I don't think it's weird. It's it feels weird saying it out loud. You but have that's chef my, blood. It's my secret dream. Yeah. Um, let's go ahead and start with this podcast sharp quote. With vegetables, you have to be careful where they come from. You have to know the farmers and trust them. Chef Alice Waters. Another Bay Area woman. Yeah, Chef Um, The great Alice Waters is one of the pioneers of the farm to table movement. And today we are chatting with one of the pioneers of that movement here in Las Vegas. Yay, we're so excited. Uh, Miss Claudia Andraki. She's the owner of Desert Bloom Eco Farm, a 10-acre self-sustaining farm out here in the Mojave Desert. She's a member of the board of directors for the National Aquaponic Association. We're definitely going to get into that, Louie. Yeah. She got her MBA from UNLV, and she recently became one of the founding members of the, yay, Women's Hospitality Initiative. Claudia, thanks for joining us out here. Thank you guys for having me. It's awesome. Thanks for having us. We're excited to be on a farm. (laughs) Right. (laughs) So... (laughs) This is a question I just want to ask right away. Are you really just a farm girl at heart? You know what? It, it, I've become a farm girl at heart. Uh, I did not grow up on a farm. I I grew up in a, in a small town in Mexico, moved directly to Las Vegas. And it wasn't until my husband like taught me how to grow things because I would kill everything I touched prior to that. Oh, wow. (laughs) So yeah, I've little by little, I've become a a dirt lover. (laughs) Right. So where did this begin? Like, I was just curious about like the seed of like wanting to turn Las Vegas desert into like an actual farm. So it started with Stephen having his uh, own little garden in another property just down the way. And we had friends, he, they would have a boys club out here. That's what they called it. So people that would come in from Las Vegas, uh, sommeliers, people that work in the restaurant, and we would just come out and hang out at our house and we would have uh, just some of our produce that we were growing from that little garden. And one of those uh, people that came out was actually Chef Rick Moonen. And when he was out here the first time, he's like, oh, my God, I love this. So he tried our farm fresh eggs. He goes, how can I get these eggs into my restaurant? And we're like, well, I don't know what it would take, but let me find out. <laughs> and that was 11 years ago. Actually, no, longer. <gasps> 
we're going to be 13 years married. So yeah. 13 years ago. Wow. When we first started just with Chef Rick. And from there, he introduced us to Chef Gino. And then the, you know, the the hospitality industry is very transient. So one manager went to another. Hey, there used to be a girl at the other restaurant I worked with that would bring in vegetables once a week. Are you guys interested in it? And they would call me up. And then that's how we've been growing little by little. It's just like, wow, word of mouth. such a cool story. Yeah. You There's know, a farm girl that I know. That's like 13 year roots planted right there. Yeah. yeah. And so you started with those simple gardens mm-hmm. and now you have, I believe, 10 gardens. Yeah. Is that accurate? Yeah. About. Three greenhouses. Yep. And five aquaponic systems. Yeah. The, each aquaponic system is like within the one greenhouse and we've been testing them to see what grows the best. But yeah, overall. So was this the dream in the beginning or is this kind of just like it evolved on its own kind of thing? It evolved on its own, really. Um, it's 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 very uh, organically grown, I guess you could say, both ways in, in our organic produce as well as uh, how it's gotten to the point where we are now. Um, but we, I, we used to have a medical office in Las Vegas. And at one point we decided to close that. And the question was for me was to actually make the farm a feasible venture or right. go back to work in Las Vegas. And I'm like, eh, I think I'll stick with the farm. So, yeah. and then from there on, that's when I really focused into it. And that's where my heart really grew to love this even more. Right. And hence the MBA too, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Yep. So you wanted to, yeah, it's, I want, it's so smart. Mm-hmm. It's to go back and really learn how to be successful in a business. Yeah. It was 10 years from my bachelor's to my MBA that I waited. And then I, I at that point, it's like, I knew I wanted to go back to school. Wasn't sure for what, um, at the time that I was trying to make the decision whether to become a farmer, uh, <laughs> I was actually playing around with the idea of becoming a, like a physician's assistant when we had our mm-hmm. medical office. We're like, well, I can become your assistant as well as if you're not in the office, I can still see patients, stuff like that. And then at that point, we'd like, nah, we closed down the office. And I said, well, how about MBA? And actually it happened because my brother was already in the MBA program and he was complaining about how much work that it was to do. (laughs) And it's like, does any of you guys want to do it? It's like talking to my sister and I, it's like, do you guys want to join me? And I'm like, well, if you pay for my MBA, I will. And he goes, you got it. Wow. (laughs) And it's like, so he actually, he was my scholarship to go through the MBA program. And that's how I I got that. That's so awesome. that. Right. So we're going to get to this topic of the aquaponics, because I think Mm -hmm. this is so interesting. When I read about it last night, I was like, are you serious? Mm -hmm. So it basically involves using fish to nourish plants. I've met some of Claudia's goldfish. (laughs) They're probably passed already. Yeah. (laughs) So tell us about this to me, super fascinating, mm-hmm. eco-friendly process. Yep. So it's a it's a very natural, organic process of, of how to grow vegetables without necessarily using chemical fertilizers or having to amend the soil on a regular basis or weed the soil because you know with any, any growing outdoors, there's always weeds that are going to come up. So in this way, what it is, is we have our fish tanks, which uh, you would feed your fish. The fish produce ammonia. Ammonia, the water gets circulated through a media bed or rocks. And then there is natural bacteria that grows in the in the rocks that turn the ammonia into usable nutrients for the plants. The plants eat up that nutrients, cleaning the water for the fish. So it's an automatic recirculation process that the only water that's really being 
use is through transpiration of the plants. So the plants are drinking up some of that water and maybe a little bit of evaporation, but nothing compared to what you would lose in a regular soil garden. Which so, I would imagine is a huge yeah. plus here mm-hmm. in the desert. Oh, yeah. Because mm-hmm. yep. it's way less waterways. Correct. So was aquaponics the first like process to go to before you started amending your soil? And No, we actually, it was very interesting because we had the one, the one little garden that we started with, we ended up covering it into a greenhouse and we noticed that things did so much better in that greenhouse than outdoors in certain periods of the, of the year. So we're like, let's do another greenhouse. And at that point we're like, well, but do we want to do it in an in-ground greenhouse, meaning using dirt and soil? Or do we want to look into a possibility of another type of system, raised beds or hydroponics, aeroponics? And my husband started doing research and he came across uh, aquaponics. So we started looking into that and we saw a bunch of uh, DIY uh, systems online and how to build them. And between um, him, my dad and myself, we built our aquaponic systems and now we have a patent on, on one of our systems. So. Wow. So tell us about that, because Mm -hmm. obviously you're trying to proliferate this Mm -hmm. beautiful and green idea. Yeah. So we've we actually have different uh, systems. You can either have a system in your home, in your kitchen with a little simple uh, single unit. You grow some herbs or some maybe a lot of kale. You can just chop down and put it into your into that protein shake Mm -hmm. uh, smoothie. (laughs) Uh, And then um, either that or we also have a commercial system for uh, growers, people that if they want to do a community garden, that they can start that up and we, we build it for you. We can help you and teach you how to use it and how, how to maintain it. But other than that, I mean, it's pretty self-sufficient. All you got to do is really come in and feed your fish and take care of your plants. And I mean, the plants itself, they're already getting the nutrients and the water. You don't have to figure out like, Oh, am I watering it too much? Am I watering too little? It's automatic. It, it takes care of it for itself. So. Dude, I'm ready for some I'm fish. Me too. I'm just like, <laughs> uh, sign us up. Right. <laughs> so what's, uh, I'm just curious, like what's kind of the, a general type of cost to do something like this. Like if you were just to do it for your home, if you were just to do it for your home, we have one system that it's like, it's six ninety nine, six hundred bucks, um, that it's just a single fish tank right below the, the, the grow bed and okay. it automatically circulates. So right. it's really, really simple. That's a, that's the, the easy start. And then the, the, the other systems, depending on the size and what you want to grow and, and whether you want to do floating rafts, which is where the lettuce kind of floats straight on the surface of the water or media beds, which is actual rock and you plant things into the rock, but there's still no soil involved. So how would you, so obviously you pay, you have this little initial cost, but how much savings would you say that would be like over time? Because our water bills are astronomical. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, obviously there's the awesome eco feature, but how about the saving money feature? I mean, just to, to, to give you an example, we had a 16 bed system, which is like, you know, those blue recycling tubs that they sell at like Walmart or whatever. Mm -hmm. Um, we had 16 of those tubs all in line with two fish tanks. We put it together in Pahrump in one of our locations and we ran it for a month straight with artificial lighting, take it with uh, LED lighting on a track lighting. So the light actually moved over. So it, it mimicked like if it was in the sunlight, it was $10 to run it for a month. Damn. <laughs> We're convinced. Right. Yeah. I so know. Cause you would save that money so quickly. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I don't know. I, I'm like you, I, I kill everything, <laughs> you know? So I'm in that stage. I would probably set one up and like have my mom watch it. Well, that's a good idea because right. she loves gardens yeah. and she loves doing this kind of stuff. Right. So, yeah. Yeah. I'm so into this. I, I'm so excited right now. Mm-hmm. Um, what do you think about the evolution? We're going to talk about food a little bit. Mm-hmm. Uh, the evolution of the farm to table 
movement Movement in Las Vegas, because, you know, to many people, especially people who don't live here and they're just like, what, like you guys have that? Like, how is it even possible? How do you have a farm? How do you have farm to table? Like they just think it's impossible because Mm -hmm. they don't realize that we can grow stuff here. Right. Outsiders think uh, that it's kind of like Mars, you know, you know, that movie when Matt Damon starts to grow a potato or something like that. He's a botanist (laughs) in Mars. It's like, it's not impossible. Yeah. It just takes a lot more water. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And it's just obviously a different process that you have to learn. Yeah. But I mean, what do you think of that, Claudia? Uh, You know, being able to do this for restaurants, chefs, people. You know, it's been, it's been a process because, um, yeah, one thing, yes, we had the advocate chefs like Chef Rick Moonen and Gino that have promoted us uh, from the very beginning. And then until we started really working with Dan Cromer about two years ago, he really uh, brought me uh, Desert Bloom into the scene of the downtown restaurants <clears throat> and off the strip restaurants. And that's how we started to, to grow a little bit more. Uh, but prior to that, I would go into the restaurants that would say, hey, we're doing a farm to table. And I would ask, it's like, oh, yeah, what farms are you working with? And they most of the time they couldn't answer my question because they were like 800 miles away is the farms that they were right. that they would get. And that's actually the the allowed Um, it's actually nine hours. I think it is. You can actually get anything into Las Vegas within nine hours and it's still considered farm to table. I think that's what I remember talking to, to a, a lady just recently and because there's really not that many farms around. Right. So uh, but they would not be able to answer until recently. Now they're like, you go in, you're like, oh, Desert Bloom, look at that. Or Blue Lizards, which is was up in Caliente or uh, Cabo Trail Farms or like Cluckett for the eggs. I think Public Us uses them for the eggs. So it's it's really cool to start to see how the chefs are now learning more about it's like, hey, there, you know what? Let's start talking to the people around here and see what what else is out there. And and they'll ask me, it's like, hey, do you know who might be able to grow this? And I'm like, oh, yeah, Herbs by Diane will have it or something. You know, it's it's different places that you can just communicate with. Yeah, it's so cool. And it's kind of like, you know, the concept of like buying local honey. You know, it's most beneficial to you oh, when for sure. it's honey that's grown within your city region. Right. Because the bees pollinate from the flowers that release all their pollen during the allergy season. So it's more health, the most natural way. It's Mm -hmm. better than Benadryl and all that other stuff that we put into our bodies. And, um, and it's better than the grocery store honey bear because that, that just (laughs) sweetens. It doesn't have medicinal effects. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Um, tell us about some of the clients that you have in Las Vegas and, you know, what kind of produce you're bringing to chefs. So currently we have mostly greens. Uh, my, my most popular product is our lettuce mix, which is actually com- uh, comprised of, of like 10 different lettuce. Is it lead eye? Lettuce? Lettuce. Um, and uh, so that, <laughs> I always make fun of that. I don't know. Jedi why. Lettuce. <laughs> and we have, uh, so we have that that comes in. We have some root vegetables that are starting to, to, to pop in, but mostly greens, arugula, kale, spinach, uh, braising greens. We currently work with uh, roughly about uh, on and off with 18 restaurants in town. Um, just, I mean, naming a few Harvest uh, by uh, with Roy. Uh, we have Honey Salt, uh, all three restaurants from Dan Cromer, Other Mama, Hatsumi, La Monja. Uh, we have Sparrow and Wolf, uh, the DW, it's just Public as Vesta. It's there, I mean, everywhere. Uh, Seersucker, so that we have currently two, just two restaurants within the strip. Everybody else is off the strip. So, yeah, I love this. It's, it's a much, actually more exciting off the strip. 
than on the strip right now. Yeah. Totally. Yeah. And this would be another reason it's exciting. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Definitely. It's it's so, so difficult to work with the big casinos to be able to get our product in. Yeah. Um, one of the good things with with Roy is that he's a big advocate. I mean, the, the, the name of the restaurant is called Harvest and it's a farm to table restaurant. So yeah. it makes it easy for us to work with him. But everywhere else within the MGM uh, industry, it's just very difficult. And most of the, the restaurants that I used to work with at MGM have not. Um, ordered from us in a while since they trans- transitioned from being known by a different company now being managed specifically by by MGM. So, and then Seersucker, we work with them at, C- at Caesars, but we work directly with Hakkasan. So it's mm-hmm. not it does not go through the Caesars Entertainment. So right. I definitely have hope for you and this farm and other farms like yours, because I feel like there's a whole generation of people for all that we complain about millennials and zillennials. Um, it's a whole generation of new people who are open and very interested mm-hmm. in where their food comes from and mm-hmm. that it's regional and that it's, you know, something that's local. Um, and our generation, you know, the generation X, yeah. uh, we're also very open to mm-hmm. it. We're sort of in the middle of those boomers, and we those millennials. We, we do care. We care. And so for me, and I'm, I know for Louie and for especially a lot of people in the food community, uh, we love to support, you know, local anything, local yeah. restaurants, local farms. And I feel like, you know, as we get the word out, people will be looking for that at restaurants that they dine at. Mm-hmm. You know, we have foodie friends. Totally. <laughs> everywhere. Um, what are the biggest challenges of desert growing? Definitely the extreme temperatures is one of them. It's, we go from the winter being, um, in the teens or single digits overnight that we could potentially lose a lot of crops. And then into the summer that reaches 115 degrees, 120 sometimes that is just very hard as well as of course, water, water is one of the big things that if for some reason something happens to, um, the water that it doesn't go on during that day in the middle of a 120 degree uh, day, we could lose quite a few. So those are most of their challenges. Of course, granted, our farm is completely solar. So if we get a couple of days of cloudy days and <laughs> we're, we're, we're limited on how much, how much, um, electricity we have available, we can only water during the day, which is also another extreme that you wouldn't be able to do because in, in it's in the middle of the day, it's hot, 115 degree, you're losing a lot of water to evaporation. So yeah. those are two of our challenges. Of course, the, 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 the rabbits, <laughs> they're yeah. always something that we have to deal with, that we have to fence everything around our property so that they don't get in. We actually do double fencing. Uh, we have a regular chain link fence and then a smaller one buried in the ground so that if they try to dig underneath they can't so yeah it but just, claudia a, you built them a buffet i, I did <laughs> i sure did they're like oh this is nice i know we planted a, about uh, uh, 50 grapes last year we put the little baskets on there apparently the baskets were not wide enough around the base of the of the the plant because it could reach inside oh, wow. and they like, would scratch the bark and they would eat it and they ended up killing quite a few of our grapes little so we're bunny like, hands <laughs> yeah um on your website it says you believe in treating animals and plants with respect mm-hmm. how have you seen this result in the best quality products. Oh, I mean, our example is our, is our chickens. I mean, we have, uh, currently we have a little bit over 300 chickens here on the property with 130 more on another property that we're going to be adding into our flock. But in being able to come in and making sure that they have the space available to them for walk around to give themselves dirt baths. Right. 
just to be relaxed. And, and the, the, when you walk in and they all come rushing towards you and they know who you are and they let you pick them up and pet them. And I mean, oh, I believe. Okay. Like, yes. Question. Yes. So they know who you are. Do you know who they are? Do you have a Oh, there's a chicken? couple of them. I know like we, we've named like, named? we have named a couple of them. I had one that, that she, she actually had a, a bad leg and this is pretty bad because we named her Eileen. So oh. she's like, <laughs> um, Oh my God. <laughs> so it was pretty funny. So we had her and then we have, uh, Ophelia. Ophelia. Ophelia is one that will come actually when you're trying to feed them, that she will actually land on your shoulder Whoa. and will just sit there until you're done feeding them. So that's Ophelia. Uh, we have, uh, we have one of our ducks. It's, uh, freckles. Uh, her beak is full of little freckles on it. So it's oh like she, was, she was, um, it's like, who's your mom? It's like, oh, freckles is the mom of that one. It's just pretty funny. Oh, so we, we will name, God. we will name a couple of them. And then of course our, our peacocks will yell at them every once in a while. I thought you had to give them like little anklets, like with their name tag or something. Yeah, well, we they, they are, they do have their ankle bracelets on there and they're all like numbered. Right. So that's how we keep track of our flocks. So we'll see which like, because we continue, we continue adding more chickens into it. So as the older ones age, we know which ones they are. And if they, like, if we lose a chicken or two or whatever, we can figure out, it's like, okay, is it a, from the new flock? Is it from the older flocks? Right. And, right. and that's how we can keep track well, of Well, identifiers. But, yeah, it's like, hey, number 235, get over here. Right. Uh-huh. <laughs> so as as I mentioned, um, I'm like totally wanting to have a farm <laughs> and farm experience. And then I read on your website about this and I don't know how to pronounce it. Is it W Wolf or W W O O F or just Wolf? Okay. So Wolf, Wolf. Yeah. the, uh, worldwide opportunities on organic farms program. Mm-hmm. And tell us a little bit about how you work with them and, and how this works out. I believe they volunteer and it's sort of like a trade-off. Mm-hmm. Yep. So the uh, Woof, it's a, uh, it's an organization that p- brings together farmers and people that are interested in, about farming and organic farms. So uh, that we've had over 60 different volunteers over the last four years that have traveled from all over the world. We've had people from, from Europe, from South America, Central America, Las Vegas, uh, Las Vegas. Okay. We have had people from Las Vegas come on out. Cause I'm not um, joking. No, really, no really, really we have, work. we've had people that come out just for the weekend. Most of the time is for the locals that, that have been here in the past that know a little bit of what we do. Otherwise we require them to come out for at least a month okay? because there's so much to learn. First of all is for me to train them to be able to know what we're doing out here. And then the second kind of the next two weeks for them to kind of actually work on their own, be more autonomous than having to be right there with them. But it's a pretty cool program because it gives the opportunity for us to one, learn from other people that have farmed or like woofed or volunteered at other farms or us to teach this. And actually we had one couple from Sweden that went back to Sweden and now they have their farm in Sweden and it's called Mojave Grot and it's based on above the Mojave Desert and a grot actually means green in Sweden I believe okay so it's pretty cool and they have a really nice farm in Sweden and it's just like I feel kind of honored because they were here they learned it they enjoyed it they saw that 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 if you can do it in the desert you can do it anywhere else yeah right. so so they went back and they did it so That's cool. awesome. have you been there I have not been to their farm yet no I, I I have been to Sweden and they had their farm yet but I was in Stockholm not where <laughs> yeah they were. we got to see some pictures of this beautiful farm in Sweden yeah. for sure yeah. so how do you 
get involved with that? Is it just like filling out an application and Yeah. So the the website is uh woofusa.org and the, you as a as a host, which is the farm, uh you pay like I think it's a fifty dollar fee for the year. And then the volunteers also have either forty or fifty dollar fee mm-hmm. to be able to access this directory of all the farms. And then you can look up like keywords. Uh, most of the people that come out here are looking for the solar powered aquaponics. Right. Being able to see the the sustainability aspect of this farm is how we get a lot of people's interest. We actually receive like right now we have one gentleman from from Italy. This is his third time here, uh, which is pretty cool. And then we have another lady coming in from New Orleans arriving tomorrow. Ooh. So she's a yoga These are instructor. major food places. Repeat. Yeah. <laughs> And um, repeat in new woofers. Yeah, right. exactly. <laughs> Which is really cool. And it's like, it tells me like uh, Chef Dan was asking, it's like, what is it about the farm that like they have the possibility to go anywhere in the world with this program? Why do they keep coming back here? And I'm like, I, I mean, it's a, it's a great environment. Mm-hmm. We try to treat everybody just like with our animals, with respect yeah. and, and teach them how to respect one another and care for each other and, 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 and go. So I'm guessing that there's just a, a nice calming environment that allows them to come on back. So true that I feel that just from mm-hmm. being here the last 30 minutes, I feel calmer. <laughs> All right. I feel Zen. Right. Uh, how do you see the future in Las Vegas farming and growing? What's kind of your, your hope for it? My hope is that other people will hear us and learn from us and be able to create their own spaces around the area, whether it's a small community garden, like actually a friend of mine, uh, Kat, just contacted me saying that her HOA at the Soho had actually authorized them to do a rooftop garden. So, which is really cool. More of those. Look at that. Great idea. Yeah. So we're going to be working hopefully with, with, uh, with them to be able to instruct them and help them, um, talking to, uh, the Ferguson's potentially, uh, like farmers markets in Mm -hmm. the future, bringing in actually, uh, creating a co-op with the current farms, because one of the biggest things is being able to get the produce to Las Vegas. I mean, the farms are uh, 50 to 60 miles away and not Mm -hmm. everybody has the ability to transport Transport. that vegetable. So if we can create a co-op that we can bring in and collect all the vegetables from every farm and then just do a central drop-off location and take it into Las Vegas from there, then that's something that I would be be really interested in, in working with other farmers and creating something like that. So, you know, truck pooling. You yep. know, I love Cargo that idea. Yeah. yeah. I mean, cause otherwise it's like you, you have, let's just say there's six farms, right. And you have six vehicles going to similar restaurants instead of just one vehicle. I mean, that's also saves the carbon footprint. So, right. So it's, it's a lot, a lot of it has to do with like shipping and transport, right. You know, a lot of the, uh, the quality of ingredients, yep. if they're subject to that process, it's like, you, you'll never know what you get at the end of the line. Mm-hmm. Right. But with Claudia, you've got an hour between you. That's amazing that oh, you yeah. can, she can pick it and boom, it's yeah. literally farm to table. There, yeah. there has been occasions that a farm or a restaurant will call me. It's like, Hey, we have a, like an event tomorrow. Do you have this available? And we're like, yeah, we, we do. And we'll pick it. We'll take it in. And that, that it's within 24 hours from however it's been harvested to delivery. And then all of our produce has about at least a two week, uh, shelf life in the, yeah. and like, just in our greens. It Much just different than what yeah. we're used to with Very. all those big companies. Mm-hmm. Um, one more question. What's the best thing about living out an hour from Vegas and what's the worst thing? 
Uh, the best thing is the serenity. You're out here, you just sit outside, you watch the sunset and just relax. And like, there's no sirens, there's no traffic. There's just, just, just all you hear is just nature. Um, the bad thing is if you're trying to make a dish and you forget an ingredient. Oh my gosh. I can't even imagine. And you're like, Very oh annoying. man, now I have like, well, we, we have Pahrump, which is 30 minutes away, right? Which is so not an hour so bad. Round trip. <laughs> yeah. It's an hour round trip if you forgot something. So it's like, a lot of the times the chefs will come out here and they'll be like, oh, I forgot this. And I'm like, wait, I have that outside. Let me go get it. Okay. So yeah. which is, that's, that's the good that's part. That's the good part. But yeah, whenever it's like the staples, like whatever, rice, things like that, you're like, oh man, we're out of it. And I have to go <laughs> baking like, soda. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Yeah. You, you have to put like a little alarm in your like little rice keeper. Like mm-hmm. if it goes beyond below this line, <laughs> alert, like yeah. on auto order or something like <laughs> right? that. Mm-hmm. All right. Moving on to one of our favorite parts on the fly. Awesome. 60 seconds rapid fire questions with Claudia and Jackie from Desert Bloom Eco Farm. How do you feel? Are you ready? Not. <laughs> We're going to really start this. <laughs> Too bad. Here it goes. What's your favorite veggie? Oh, asparagus. Best tool for your job? Shovel. Cat or dog person? Both. Most inspirational person? Husband. Oh, Dream place to travel and eat? To go to or been to? Been to Italy. What are you going to go to? Thailand. Ooh. Childhood food craving? Chilaquiles. Guilty pleasure? Wine. <laughs> the food you crave? Thai food. Favorite alcoholic beverage? Aviation. How do you relax? Sitting outside, watching the sunset, drinking wine or an aviation. What do you jam to on the farm? Everything. But it's funny because I have one guy that works here for us. Oh, sorry. It's okay. You can finish. finish. Uh, he, He actually likes listening to Mexican music along with me and we'll listen like we'll we'll I'll play something for him and then he has to guess. So Tejano or? No, it's, it's mostly like either like oldies. Uh-huh. Uh, we'll do Vicente Fernandez more like, okay. like mariachi kind of stuff like that. But yeah, it's really, it's really good. <laughs> we listen to everything. On it's the good farm. for the plants. Okay. Everything on the farm. I'm sure it is. Yeah. Anything happy. Actually, I have to ask you that because I talked to my plants, which is super mm-hmm. creepy. No, I've heard that. It's good. Yeah. No, we yeah. actually play in our aquaponics greenhouse. We play classical music for them all the time. Claudia, so. I want you to start an audioponics <laughs> on Spotify and for everybody go. to follow. Okay. Yeah. I want you to set this up on Spotify so everybody can follow and, okay. you know, keep it up to date with the tunes on yeah. the farm. Okay. <laughs> so Claudia, we're going to go ahead and have you sell it for Desert Bloom Eco Farm. Well, Desert Bloom Eco Farm's got a lot of events coming up, so please follow us on Instagram. Uh, we'll also be having our CSA program opening up for our late spring season, CSA, Community Supported Agriculture, where you can get your fresh veggies at home. Same veggies that our chefs are working with. Now you get to work with it at home. So awesome. follow our website, awesome. desertbloom.farm or desertbloom underscore eco farm on Instagram. We Yay. are so there. Claudia Andraki, thank you so much for having us at the farm. Thank Thank you guys for coming out. Yeah. Moo. <laughs> Even though there are no cows. Thanks for listening to Two Sharp Chefs in a Microphone. 
We love subscribers almost as much as we love food. If you like what you heard, please subscribe, rate, and review. And check out Two Sharp Chefs. That's with a number two on Instagram and Facebook, as well as our WordPress blog. Email us with any questions and ideas at twosharpchefs at gmail.com. And Louie, we stream new episodes every Monday on iTunes, Spotify, Radio Public, and Stitcher. It's been a pleasure. We're 86th. Till next week. <laughs>